0: Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard.
1: Listening is the most critical interview tool that you have. Not listening to respond, which we all do, but listening to understand. Think of the interview as an opportunity to gather evidence to support your decision. And when you understand a person's pain and desire first, you can accurately position your opportunity as the answer to their problems. Why do you need to understand before you hire people? Isn't it enough that you know that they have the skills that are needed? because not understanding the values of an individual is what ultimately results in bad hiring decisions. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game-changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Casey Welsh. Casey is the co-founder and CEO of Tallo, which is a digital platform an app that connects 1.3-plus million students and professionals to opportunities offered by colleges, companies, and organizations. Since its inception, Tallo has pioneered early talent engagement, facilitating career discovery and guidance for diverse talent pool. Under Casey's leadership, Talos serves as a virtual ecosystem, leveling the playing field for all student and job seekers, regardless of traditional geographic and economic barriers. Casey is the leading expert on Gen Z in higher education and workforce, and his insights have been featured on Forbes, Fast Company, ZDNet, and Sherm. which is what makes Casey the perfect expert for today's topic. Casey, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hey,
0: Rick, thanks for having me on.
1: It's great to have you today. We're going to discuss a little bit about the importance of proper positioning when the hiring, and we're going to talk about how to build understanding into your interview process. Sound like a plan? Absolutely. So, let's talk a little bit about the challenge today. We have this reactive hiring approach to talent, and what often happens is that we're so busy trying to fill a role because we just have this need, we have a seat that needs to get filled that we really don't take the time to understand the person. That's one of the big things I
0: think so much in the hiring process that we see is that we focus so much on skills and we focus on so much of these other areas, but we don't get a chance to actually know the person, what's going to drive them, what's going to motivate them. And so what we're continuing to see, Rick, is a big focus on before we get into what experience do they have, what are these different areas, let's understand what they really want to do. Because if they're not going to find purpose and what they want to do. Why are they going to stay with our company? If we hire and we invest in them, what's going to make them want to stay?
1: Exactly. Again, we rush to make hires because of the fact we need a seat filled, but are they aligned with your corporate values? Are they aligned with the organization? Are they positioned for growth? Are we fulfilling what they need? Are we providing them the purpose they're looking for?
0: Recently, Monster came out and they said, you know, 95% of the workers out there are thinking about finding a new job. 92% 92% would talk about switching industries. What we're seeing with Gen Z, and again, I know you mentioned to me about being a Gen Z expert. I think I'm an expert on providing data that they share with us on behalf. We recently saw nearly 70% of them said over this past year, it's become more important to find a job that's personally fulfilling for them. They've all had a great appreciation. I mean, if if you think back, how many people have you met in your life that say, I always laugh when they get to the part where they're saying they're ready to retire and they're like, I'm going to go do something I want to do now. And we're like, man, you know why? What? what if you could have done that from the very beginning? Does it become less about a job and more about something that you find rewarding, that you like to do, that you want to get up and it's not a grind every day? That's what they want to find. And I think there are a lot of opportunities out there with it.
1: Well, I think there's a tendency that I hear a lot of people in my circle complaining about that younger folks come, they stay for a year and they jump ship real quickly. I think there's a tendency for them to get a job quickly because they need a paycheck to start learning their skills. But then as soon as something else better comes along, they jump because they don't see that growth opportunity or it's not switched on for them that, hey, look at if you stay here and they see those incremental changes in that growth.
0: That's 100% true. And I think that's largely true to the millennial generation. One thing that we're seeing is if you look at people different generations, right? There's different aspects that happen that make them go down different pathways. If you think about baby boomers, and then you looked at their kids that came down and there it was go to college, get a degree, you get a degree, that's your most important thing. When you saw millennials come through, which I fall into that, it was more about job hoppers. So like you said, let's get instant gratification, I should come in and I should be an executive level on day one, because I know I'm It was more about bouncing from different occupation to different occupation, chasing that job. Then you look at the Gen Z that's coming up. And I think what's really interesting with showing about them is they are most similar to the baby boomer generation, which, you know, nobody would ever consider, you know, millennials and baby boomers or treat them the same or Gen Y or whatever. But when you think about Gen Z, they saw the millennials go through that and they saw them rack up a lot of debt and not get into careers and come back and go, wait a minute, is that the pathway? And start to look at companies and go, I actually want to go to a company where I can have a longer career with, more loyalty. I want to roll hop within a company. So very different than job hopping, but go within a company and go with a company that I stand for and I want to be with for a while. And if I want to be with them for a while, I'm going to take some time to better understand them. So I think there's a big misunderstanding of people treating millennials and Gen Z the same. That's a huge mistake there.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Why is it important to the company? So what are we looking at as far as understanding these differences? It comes down to the individual too. You can identify the generational gaps and understand those, but each person individually has their own values.
0: That's a great point. And again, you can look at generational. I was a millennial, but I've worked for three companies in 15 years. But I think it comes down to, as you mentioned, is it's you can't be reactive. You have to be proactive. And it takes a little more effort to get to know the person. But foundationally, somebody could have the skills to do exactly what you want to do in the location that you want to be, making the money you want to make. But if they don't enjoy it, are they going to be there? If you don't understand what drives them, maybe it is just money that drives them. Maybe it's actually being in a certain location that drives them, a work-life balance that drives them or having a job that's going to have impact. And I think that's one of the big things that I ask all employees when they come in. I always say there's three things that need to align, right? You got to align with the company and the values. We got to align with your values and what you want to do. And you got to live the lifestyle you want to live. Because if one of those doesn't work, it's going to fall apart at some point. It's just a matter of when. And I think we always don't ask the question. It also can change over time. When employers, we can talk a little bit about later, it's not a one and done exercise, Unfortunately. People have changes in their lives that you got to account for. Maybe a family member, maybe they're extending their family, their priorities change a little bit. So it's got to be one of those processes that's built in place that you really take advantage of and understand them first and foremost.
1: Those three areas that you're talking about, repeat those again, because those are really, really important. And the fact is, when people do align with that, you have a more engaged person that's going to be more productive, and it's just going to help the company be a much stronger company.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, again, those three that I look at, I say, is our work here in our company going to align with what you want to do? If it's not, it's not going to work. Do you align with the skills that we need and the culture that we need to build? That's two. And three, can you live the lifestyle you want to live? So you can love what you do. You can love the company, but if you can't support your family, it's probably not going to work out. Or a lot of times we get a lot of people, you realize at some point, if you get to it, it's not all about money. I had that. I could make a lot of money, but I hated what I did every day, which made me a not an excited person. It bled into my family life. And so if I could love what I was doing, I love the company and I could live the lifestyle, put that up from the very beginning. And then you have the start of success. If not, you know, at one point, one of those legs on that stool is going to fall out and there's no way it's going to stand for long.
1: And now you have no choice because you're the founder of the company. (laughs) You have to love it, right? All right. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick And For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and a link to Healing Career Wounds, my new book that just came out in May. Let it be your startup secret weapon to attracting and winning the strongest hires. Our guest today is Casey Welch. She's the co-founder and CEO of Tallow, And we're talking about understanding and purpose in your employee pool before hiring for skills, which I love. I love that you live this because I talk about it all the time. And sometimes I get that glassed over look like, what, I don't want to just hire somebody who's out of Facebook who brings the skills that I want. Where do we start? Let's break this down into actionable items for our audience when you look
0: at it, I think step one of it is just a mind shift really from this way is that recruitment of talent should not be a transactional relationship. No. I think so often we look at it and say, well, here's an open job and here's somebody that doesn't have a job. So we should put them together. It's like saying, I tell people this person wants to get married and this person wants to get married. And in theory, well, they should get married. That's not how it works. How do we help fit people versus force them into it? Because if they're forced, It generally doesn't worry about. So we can't treat talent like a commodity anymore. We need to treat it like the asset that it is. Our company, we could have the best products in the world, but if we don't have the people delivering and executing it, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to get it to the way that we all want it to be. So I think investing in talent, understanding them. So I think a couple of quick takeaways that we see, it's great to talk about how do you find people that find purpose and meaning in what they do? What's going to drive them? there's different ways to find it. One is looking at measurement tools. We hear a lot of them out. So often we've always heard you know, Myers-Briggs and all those different assessments that everybody takes, but ones out there that we do that help people understand and measure what you like to do and want to do. So that helps you get your purpose and things that you're going to find rewarding.
1: Well, let's back up a little bit though, because of that mindset shift, leading with money which is what most companies do. What are you looking to make? And what do you want to do? Those are all transactional questions. I just want to take it back to this, getting people out of that mindset and actually having a conversation and just asking somebody, what do you want to do? It's that simple. So if you could design your next role from scratch, what would that look like for you? And let them tell you before you start. Again, we go into sales mode a lot of times and we start selling a job. And again, that just puts people in transactional mode. So then when you get to the end of the process, the only thing that you have is that number that's written down on a piece of paper. And that's what they're making a decision on. And that's one of the things that we've really started to look at as understanding
0: the why what is driving people and understanding that different things are changing it. Again, I think the pandemic changed a lot of people's mindsets. It changed them on what things that they should value, what things are important to them. What do they want to get out of it? No, I think a lot of us learned life can be pretty short. That's one thing at least I took away from it.
1: Yeah, I've seen less people interested in the money that can stay where they are for the money, but it's, hey, you know what, I'm looking for something that's going to help elevate me, help me get me where I want to go.
0: Get me there. A better quality of life for me, my family. I used to have to be strapped to a big city because that's where the jobs were. Well, they're not anymore. We just threw that out the door. So now let's look at the other things that are rewarding. And if we're talking a little more about Gen Z some of the things we just asked them and said, what do you want to know? Like, what is important for you in making a decision outside of just salary? And just as important as salary was their interest in the work that they were doing. So again, having meaningful work. I like to it. Is it using my skills? Am I working in a good environment? So when we think about that a little bit, a lot are looking for companies that have social and economic impact, whether they're building a product that's helping to the COVID rapid response tests, companies like Abbott that created those, to frontline workers, right? Healthcare, to across the board, finding those types of things. And looking at, and this is one, I think, takeaway, Rick, that we're seeing is they want to know, since they want to go to a company and stay, and you just talked about, Rick, moving up the ladder, does that company, are they willing to invest in them? Do they want to help support their growth? So- it's funny, I won't say the name, but-
1: Oh, come on, you could say it. <laughs> <I'll> call <laughs> him out, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, my
0: father-in-law, he's getting to that age where he's getting ready to retire and works for a big company and they sent him that, hey, give us your five-year development plan. And he's like, why am I even doing this? I'm not even gonna be here this long. But it's funny, he made a comment. He said, yeah, but the young people, they're getting really into this whole like development. How do they map it out? What do they wanna do next? And he's like, they're really into it all of us older people are like, hey, heck with it. you know, It's out the door. But what he said is exactly what the data is coming back that they say, look, I want leadership learning opportunities. I want to be part of these committees. I want to be part of the conversation. I want to know I'm willing to commit to you as a company and stay longer. How can you, outside of just money, help me grow as a person, help me grow as a person in the career field and put me in these positions to be part of those conversations? That doesn't mean make me a CEO, make me a VP. It's not about a title. It's about the role, the work,
1: the development, them being constant learners. We're seeing more of that. You opened up those conversations with, hey, tell me what you want to do, like what you just said. People will share that information with you, especially if you're trying to pull somebody from another company. Before you start pitching your company and you just start asking them like, hey, what's going on with you? And why are you open to hearing about something stronger? The floodgates open. It's so easy to get that data. But when you get toward the end of the process, that's when people try to flip the switch and develop a relationships with somebody. And now it's already been transactional all the way through. So you can't really develop one at that point. It's
0: a lot like sports. You see it all the time, right? Yeah. How do certain colleges pull certain athletes? You just said the keyword. They made a connection with the person. And the connection was not, yeah, I know if I go to Clemson University or University of Alabama, I know I'm going to play in front of 100,000 people. They don't say that. They don't go into that. The best recruiters, they walk into your house, they meet with your parents and they ask about you first. Yeah, we really need a quarterback, but maybe you are a quarterback, but you actually don't want to be a quarterback. Maybe you want to be something else. And then once you know that, you then understand what drives that student. You can then make a better connection. Like you used to talk about sales 101, right? Let's understand them before we go for the win. Understand the person, because if you understand what they want to do and you don't have that right opportunity and you force them, well, then you're just exacerbating your retention
1: problem down the road. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you can't connect the dots for somebody as to where they're going to go before they join you, then you're going to have retention issues. Again, you don't want people who are just taking the job for the paycheck. That's the worst thing that can happen, especially being a smaller company. If you're under 50 people, actually, if you're under 100 people, you want everybody to be bought in.
0: There's such a critical part when you're a small company. I mean, everybody that comes into my company, I interview. I don't care if it's an intern. I don't care who. It's not because I'm OCD and I need to do it. It's because I want to make sure everybody that comes in, I tell people, it's not our platform that is our secret sauce. It's our people they're going to drive it. And when somebody leaves, it's a big barrier. And when you're a small company, one person can be infectious across the company faster than you can stop it. And so if they're not as built into it, if they're not excited about what they're doing or going to do, I mean, at least in a lot of, think about companies up and starting in growth. If you're in growth mode and exciting, you want those people that are going to be part of it. And they could have all the skills in the world, but if they don't have that passion or that drive to do it, it's just not going to take you to the next level. And
1: if That's okay if you walk away and say, that's okay. Well, all right, but- It's not okay. You want people to share the same passion you do.
0: It is, and you can find it, and you can incentivize that differently for whatever that is as well. Again, there's a lot of people. Responsibility is just as important to them as money.
1: You're starting to get into tools, tools for measurement. So they're good for confirmation of whatever your assessment or your evidence that you got is to make the decision. People rely too heavily and lean on tools to make the decision.
0: I agree with you. They shouldn't be the decision maker. I think they can help to be a educational component of it. When you're around it and you have experience, you can see through those things. You've interviewed enough people. You know, when they come in, you can probably tell in the first 30 to 45 seconds if that's a person that you want. But for those of people that aren't as sure, like how do you understand and see what drives it? And you're not asking the right questions. It can be a great affirmation tool. Let's make sure, like, I think they really like this stuff. They told me that. And this assessment is verifying that. And maybe there's a little discrepancy. Well, that's a great question for that second round interview then. Let's unpack that one a little bit.
1: I feel like that initial 30 to 45 seconds, though, can be dangerous because you can't get false positives and false negatives. In an interview, you have to take into consideration some people get very nervous. It's not a very comfortable situation. And sometimes that's your best hire you got to get them past that to get to the, again, the core of who that person is.
0: So let's jump into what you just said, Rick, because I think that's a great point. As we're going back and we're talking to other people about, again, it's really easy to ask these questions that don't ever get asked at the very beginning of it. But you just said something, Rick, you said, and we're all like it, right? I don't know many people that go into an interview and don't have some sort of anxiety.
1: Yeah. What is
0: the easiest way to reduce anxiety? It's talking about something you feel comfortable about. Sure. And the thing that you feel most comfortable about is yourself. If you want to ease as an employer, as somebody talking to that, and you want to ask some questions about, hey, what do you get excited about? I ask people to understand, like, what do you do in your free time? Because if I understand in your free time, you like to, maybe you volunteer at the church or you help out with some different programs or you're an outdoorsman. Like I can start to get and understand who you are. I can also ease a little bit of that conversation so that when we do talk about some of the things more technical or different areas you're comfortable. It's like getting those first couple reps out in a football game or a basketball game or a couple of those things where all the emotions calm down. Then you start to see more of the true person behind it.
1: Another way I think you could do it is actually prepare them. So feed them the interview questions before they come in. Strangely enough, that lowers anxiety quite a bit because they can prepare for what questions are going to be asked. You don't feed them the sub questions or like how I'm going to dig underneath the hood. But hey, look at think about this, this is we're going to ask, and they're going to be, we do a lot of behavioral interview, and I find that that gives the best evidence. So if you break down that behavioral interview and say, you know, tell me about a time you did X, Y, Z, and you just feed that question to the person. Now, they get a sense of really what that is, and they can prepare their answers before they come in. And if they don't prepare, then guess what? They just made it easier for you to say thanks, but no, thanks.
0: There's a lot of ways. And I think that's what's great about sometimes I see a lot of companies, they do the same thing time and time and time again, and they expect to have different outcomes. You got to do things differently If they're not working. Like you and I are throwing out some ideas here, right? I go to a lot of people, sometimes based on my title, even. I'm not an intimidating person. I'm five foot nothing, a hundred, nothing they'll see a title and they'll be like, Oh wait, it's <laughs> me too. I'm like, that's not a big deal here. But a lot of times I'll call people in that. I want to technically quote unquote interview for the first time. And I don't call it an interview. I say, I want to have a conversation. And I don't know if that's true of other people, but it's like getting that invite on your calendar that says interview with tallow or a conversation. It's like a whole different meaning. But you're still getting the same output that you really want to get at the end of the day. So it's about how do you make the person more comfortable so that you're making the decision to bring in that person? And like you said, I've sometimes you can get people that are just so wound up and you don't get to see who they truly are. And yeah. unfortunately, you miss out on the perfect person.
1: Because they were nervous. Yeah, exactly. You're doing a brilliant thing, by the way, because you're cutting out the fear words. We all have fear words. Like nobody likes the word contract. Nobody likes to be sold. When you say interview, again, that's something that for some people, it's not a big deal. For some people, it triggers something. And you want to make sure you avoid that. What would be the final step here in this process? So we've got starting with your mind shift and then tools measurement. What's this last piece?
0: Yeah, so tools measurement. And then I think... Another big part in looking at it is you think about whether you're dealing with existing employees or you're thinking about new coming in. We talked a lot about it. They want upward mobility. They want to constantly learn. They want to be part of it. So if you focus a little bit more on upskilling, reskilling, if you also think about bringing talent in that's not part of the company. So I think you can look at it two parts of it. Existing employees, bringing in those learning opportunities for them, learning development. And they don't always have to be big conferences or something really significant. And a lot of times what I've seen a lot of employers do that's worked really well is it goes back to our original conversation, ask. When you ask those questions at the beginning, what really do you want to learn more about? And sometimes it may be something spot on to their job and exactly in the role that they want to do. Like I want to get really more sophisticated on some of the new AWS technology coming out. And that's what they get excited about to learn more about. And sometimes it's, well, hey, how can I look at how do I make better decisions? Maybe it's time management, maybe it's leadership things, maybe it's different aspects of working with teams that they don't get to do. And so it goes back to asking those questions and doing it somewhat periodically. Like every year you do your annual review, I would ask these same questions back to that same person that is now my employee and see if they change. And if they didn't, great, we know what to do. If they did, Great. We're addressing them. We're making them feel heard. We're making them feel part of it.
1: Yeah, it was funny. I had a CEO on some time back and he said that he felt like his job is basically now the purveyor of culture, the purveyor of learning. And it's his responsibility to make sure that everybody is getting to where they want to go. Shoot, we're getting pretty close on time. Casey, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into the business today?
0: One of the hot topics we hear a whole lot about is what does the work environment look like? So we've all talked about, are you coming back into the office? Are you going fully remote? Are you going hybrid? What we're hearing from Gen Z is over 60% want a hybrid environment. 20% want that in-person. Only about 8% are saying fully remote. So I think people want interactions. So all I say from there is we're seeing is companies that I think are being more fluid about it. And they're thinking about those options and weighing it and seeing what's right for their company and making sure it's fluid. I think the other two major takeaways I would do is ask those questions up front. Get to know the person and then start to tell them about your company. So being less transactional, getting to know that person, it'll pay off tenfold in the long run. And all you did was spend an extra 15 minutes.
1: I know. Bravo. It's so simple, but you are so spot on. Casey. Thanks so much for your time and investment today, man. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Rated community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience can find you, find your company, and probably engage with you a little bit more?
0: Yeah. So it's really easy. Go to tallow.com, T A L L O.com. We're continuing to put out new insights from Gen Z. So we're just coming out with some new diversity and inclusion data, workforce data, workplace preferences, all of that on Gen Z. They want you to know it because they want to make the right fit to you. So take it, use it. Let us know how we can help.
1: Awesome. And thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power Radio. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at higher, H-I-R-E, power, P-O-W-E-R, radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at at rickedstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Patrick Swardsfeger. He is a business futurist and keynote speaker on technology, blockchain, and disruptive innovation. I'm your host, Rick Girard, and you have been listening to The Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha.
0: Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon, or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining
1: us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success, Rick Girard.